morning, church. Happy New Year again. Is there a football game right now? I shouldn't have said that. A few items seemingly unrelated yet related before we uh, dig back into uh, our series in Luke called Go. Um, It's so delightful to have Matt and Bethany here with us. And uh, a little bit of story. Uh, Starting in November, while most of us here were getting ready for Thanksgiving and, you know, having people over and eating, and then Thanksgiving came and went, and then we all started getting ready for Christmas and all the stuff we do, and Christmas came, and our our homes were flooded with waves of guests, or we were part of the wave of guests in other homes, right? Uh, And Christmas came along, and then there was New Year's while we were enjoying all the regular hostilities you know, uh, hospitality and festivities around those things. There were, there were a couple of search teams here that were uh, rolling up their sleeves and listening and discerning God's leading for us. And, and the first one was uh, really to, to bring you guys here. And it's, it's a great morning to have you here with us. Super excited, super pumped. And uh, I, I recognize, too, as a pastor, and even for you guys, that it's hard to go from one place in one church one Sunday to a new place in a new church the very next Sunday, right? It's kind of a, kind of a strange dynamic. We, when we moved from Minneapolis to Seattle a few 20 years ago, we had our final Sunday at one church that we had been at for 10 years, Hope Press in Minneapolis, and we moved out of our house, we were staying with our in-laws, and we took a three-day train ride from Minneapolis to Seattle, and it was gorgeous, right? It was, that was our transition. That was going to get us from Minneapolis to Seattle because when we got to Seattle, everything would be totally transitioned, our minds would be in the new place, and we would be absolutely 100% ready to go, right? So that Sunday I got up to do what I normally have been doing for the last 10 years, which was to do my portion of the sermon as a, or the service as an associate. It was, it was a welcome or it was a prayer time. I got up to do the prayer time and I literally looked at folks and I, and I freaked, I had, a, I had a panic attack. I mean, no one really saw it, but I, I looked out there and I said, these are not the people I remember last week in my mind, right? I'm like, these are not the people I remember last week. And I, I, I didn't really faint, but I kind of, the blood started going. So I grabbed the podium, because I can't do, this would not look good day one, right? This is not how to win friends and influence people. And I got myself together, together enough to at least say, and we were at uh, John Knox Presbyterian Church. I got myself together at least to say, welcome to Hope Presbyterian Church. We're glad to have you here with us. And I caught myself and I said, wait a minute, sorry. Sorry, this won't happen again. Welcome to John Knox Presbyterian Church. So anyway, I'm, I'm fully, I get it, man, right? There's a little bit of that going on for you and for us. So let's love each other and be patient with each other as we transition. Now, the other search team that has been getting together is to find and look for a new choir director. And I have to tell you, uh, we're in great shape there. We do have a new young choir director. I'm not going to tell you who it is. Uh, He has a big profile in the Placentia community, uh, uh, unanimous with the search team, and has already gone through personnel and session. We have one more critical piece involved in that, which is the background check piece. So I'm not going to tell you who it is today but we'll introduce uh, him by name next week, and he'll be starting with us shortly. And we're really super excited to have him 
and we couldn't be more pleased. He's just gonna be a rock star and bump things forward, yeah. Thank you to the three choir people here right now. Apparently, uh, you've been rooting for that. So thank you for your prayers. One other thing I'd like to do pastorally, and I know this is a little seemingly out of left field, but it's, it is important to us. Uh, over the last month, you know, we've had a number of folks pass away. Uh, another gentleman who had a really severe stroke and is still uh, really in a non-responsive state. No family nearby. So here's, here's what I'd like to ask you to do as your pastor. If you haven't filled out your advanced directives, please, please do that. Please do that. It's all in love. Uh, can I just leave it at that? Just encourage you to fill out those advanced directives. Have them in a place that are accessible where other people know where they are and they can access them. Because uh, that's been one of the big pieces to the puzzle uh, for our, Fred, our friend Fred. And so we're going to continue uh, to pray for Fred this day. All right, Segway, draw a line, Segway, you got it? Thanks for letting me do that, pretty, pretty excited. All right, go, we're back in go, our journey through Luke. What's happening in the text right now is Jesus is going to transition from his Galilean ministry and he's starting to head towards Jerusalem. And the text today has four kind of strange stories clustered together in this transition move from the Sea of Galilee, if you've been there, you know, north of Jerusalem, and he's starting to make his way into Jerusalem, and they're a cluster of stories that may or may not be related. I'm going to try and relate them for us and draw a thread of unifying, unifying in those, unify those four stories. Does that make sense? So that's where we're headed. Let's see how well I do. Um, you can grade me later. Um, just keep the grades to yourself. Um, <laughs> Let's read the text first, Luke chapter 9, if you don't mind. This is a great text. I mean, there's all kinds of amazing things, and I'll, I'll point some things out to you as we're working our way uh, through it. And I, I'd love for you to imagine yourself not sitting in a sanctuary dimly lit, but outside the Sea of Galilee, maybe, maybe heading towards Jerusalem. You can feel the wind in your face, and, and it's 10 o'clock in the morning here. Let's pretend like the sun's coming up and warming our skin, and we can feel the, brin, the breeze on our face, right? The smells are a little different. The sights are a little different. It's gorgeous. It's beautiful. But you're just walking that road as we envision this text and actually being there. The next day when they came down from the mountain, a large crowd met with him. A man in the crowd called out, Teacher, I beg you to look at my son, for he's my only son. A spirit seizes him and he suddenly screams. It throws him into convulsions so that he foams at the mouth, not unlike sometimes a toddler does. It scarcely ever leaves him and is destroying him. I begged your disciples to drive it out, but they could not. Now here, check out, Jesus is amazed here. Watch how Jesus is amazed. You unbelieving and perverse generation. Wow, right? Jesus is a little amazed that they couldn't handle this. And he says, you unbelieving and perverse generations, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you and put up with you guys? Bring your son to me. So he's a little bit amazed. He's a little bit irritated, I think. At least that's my read. And he's a little bit disappointed. Even while the boy was coming, the demon threw him to the ground in a convulsion. But Jesus rebuked the impure spirit 
healed the boy and gave him back to the father. Ah. Discipleship failure. Jesus redeems. And they were all amazed, check out this phrase, at the greatness of God. Like that. Listen carefully to what I am about to tell you, Jesus says. The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. But they didn't understand. <laughs> These disciples, disciples. But they did not understand what this meant. It was hidden from them so that they did not grasp it. And they were even afraid to ask him about it. So that's our first story. Here's our second story. It gets, it gets even funnier. An argument started among the disciples as to which of them would be the greatest. Now that would never happen in this room to anybody here. Ever, right? Now these guys just start getting all egoed up, right? Who's, gonna, who's the greatest? Who's got the head of the seat of the table? Who's more important? Whose voice should be heard the most? Get him close to Jesus. Well, Jesus, knowing their thoughts, took a little child. Again, I think he's amazed. And had the child stand beside him. I want you to envision a child across the street, maybe walking down the sidewalk right now. Or a few blocks away. Imagine that child that Jesus pulls right next to him, standing there. And then he said to his disciples, friends, it's not about your opinion, it's not about your position, it's not about your power, it's not about your money. It's not about you at all, it's not about who's greatest. It's not about any of the things that you always tend to make it. It's about this. Whoever welcomes this little child in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. For it is the one who is least among you, among you all, who is the greatest. Role reversal flipped. Master, John said, we saw someone driving out demons in your name and we tried to stop him because he's not one of us. Again, notice, inside outsider. Hey, he's not part of us. We can't let him do things. They shouldn't have a voice up here at the table. They, shouldn't be, they, shouldn't, they should be excluded. And Jesus said, do not stop him. For whoever is not against you is for you. As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. Here's our third story. And he sent messengers on ahead who went into a Samaritan village to get things ready for him. But the people there, again, Samaritans, not Jews, they were Gentiles, they didn't welcome him because he was headed to Jerusalem. When the disciples, James and John, saw this, you got, you got to love these guys. They ask, ready, Lord, hey, Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven and destroy them? Like, we got to get these guys. These guys are not us. Jesus turns and he rebukes them. 
What are you guys doing? It's not about who's inside and who's not, uh, who's out. Then he said, then he and his disciples went to another village. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I'll follow you. Our fourth story. I'll follow you wherever you go. I'm sure we've all said that at one time in our life and another, right? Jesus, I follow you. That's why we're here. Jesus replies and says to him, hey, as long as you know you're homeless, you can come. Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his heads. So are you willing to pack up your house, move it, and follow me? You ready to let it all go? Here's the trifecta. He said to another man, hey, follow me. But the other guy said, Lord, first let me go home and take care of my family business. I've got to bury my father. i got necessaries. I... I've got some distractions wrapped around family. Let me go and do that first. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and you proclaim the kingdom of God wherever you go. And still another, a third, said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus says, in essence, there's way too much focus on the family in the way we think about being and doing church. Because no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the service, for service in the kingdom of God. Okay, that's our text. You guys ready to dive in? Or do you just want to go home because that's hard enough? Hey, hey, now you're going to get prophetic again. Let's just call it a day. I'll put a couple bucks on the plate. We're going to be out of here. Well, that's not what we have planned. (laughs) So this can be actually a really dark story, right? There's a lot of darkness in the way Jesus is amazed. He's amazed for all the wrong reasons. So what I want to do today is be classic Southern Californian, and I want to flip it and look at these in a slant positive way. Okay, I want to hold out the positive side of what Jesus is exasperated with. Let's put it that way. And I find all kinds of things amazing. Do you guys find things amazing? What are some of the things that you find amazing? Just yell it out. The sky yesterday was amazing. I felt like Seattle yesterday. What are you talking about? But yeah, the sky was amazing, right? What else? Music. What's that? Music. music is amazing. Lifts and falls and, and takes us to places that words oftentimes can't. Or it takes the words to places in our soul that words can't get to on their own. What else amazes you? Fresh rain. Fresh rain. Yeah. What else? Babies. Babies. Thank you very much. Any grandparents here? Yes, there are parents. We got a couple. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. We need more children. There's your homework assignment. (laughs) What else? What else amazes you? 
sunsets, sunrises. People's journey, just listening to people's journey, right? Hearing Matt's journey. That was a cool journey. You know, God's calling his life, taking him to unexpected places right in the neighborhood. And actually, that's going to connect really well with this whole text this morning. What else? A couple more? Grace? Yeah, right? Grace is like rain. It gathers in the lowest places and brings refreshing healing and new life. No surprise, we use water in baptism. One more? Think about the things that we all said amaze us. I'm going to give you a few of my favorite things that amaze me. Is that okay? I'm amazed by the perfect rose with the smell, the aromatic delivery that wafts into the room and reminds you that you're inside when you really want to be outside. A couple of summers ago, Don and I were sitting on a beach in Lake Tahoe on the 4th of July. We were enjoying 80 degrees of sun, dipping our toes in the sand, looking at the snow-capped mountains. I'm amazed when I get double-ringed and hit on both sides like that. It just blew my mind. Hey, it's 80 degrees. There's snow. And here I sit. Beautiful. Two nights ago, Don and I were giggling for about 20 minutes with a 14-month-old who was not moving on our couch, and she just giggled with us for about 15 minutes. That's amazing! My grown children amaze me, mostly for good. When it's just Dawn and I around the house, which is more often than not now, she sings her way around the house. I find that ridiculously amazing. <laughs> okay, dark matter. Does anybody know what dark matter is? I find it amazing. It's amazing because nobody knows what dark matter is. I've been spending two years trying to figure out what is dark matter. It's, it's the stuff that holds everything together, but they don't know what it is. Did you know that one day on Venus is like 365 days on Earth? Have you ever heard that before? Isn't that crazy? That means in Venus years, I'm like 56, year, 56 days old. I say, let's count like Venus. That's my deal now. Uh, I'm only 56 days old. How old are you, Tim? 33 days old, Tim Lee. Right? So there's all kinds of things out there that are amazing. I read an article this week. Did you know that it takes only three seconds for you to decide if you like someone? Because we thin slice people. We decide. It only takes three seconds. This one's even more amazing. It only takes one-tenth of one second to fall in love with another person. Because all of the chemicals in the brain fire simultaneously, and they do it in one-tenth of a second... And that's how fast you can fall in love. So blame science, not me. <laughs> I was at a conference this week. I'm still blown away and amazed by this. You know, I don't know if it's true or not. Somebody decides that these things are true. 
Um, it takes 85 Christian people in a relationship with a person who is spiritually searching one entire year for that person to surrender their life to Christ. That's the world we live in today. You know what else amazes me? People having an aha moment and waking up to the reality of Jesus Christ alive in their life. It amazes me when folks jump on board with what Jesus is doing in the world. It amazes me when people are really excited about their life and what God is doing in it. And they are so grateful that they have to share it and give it away. That amazes me. Because that's why every church exists. It amazes me when we let go and go of all the things we hold on to. So when we walk out the door, we're the open hands and feet of Christ to every single person we meet. That amazes me. Blows my mind. Gets me up in the morning. How about you? Let me ask you another question. This is going to be a lot of audience participation. Are you cool with that? So I just give you a warning. When you read the Bible, because we've all read the Bible for months, years, decades, maybe century for a few, close. How much change do we see in scriptures? I think I heard a word. Who said a lot? There's a lot of change in scripture, right? The whole book is about a move to change. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Ruth, Naomi, then all the kings, major, minor prophets, all the way through. It's all about a change dynamic. It's all about a transformation dynamic. It's never a static dynamic. It's always a movement progressing towards someone and something different. The Bible is only about change. It blows me away. I'm amazed by this. Now think about your own life. If the Bible's all about change, think about your own life. How much change is there in your own life? Constant. All the time. That's a pretty safe place to be. Scary, yet safe. Because that's the way God rolls. A constant cycle of transformation, renewal, reestablishment, realignment, confession, right? Oops, sorry, change, reconciliation, moving forward. Different people, different generations, different places. Well, hold on a second. Really, the key words today are what amazes you? What amazes you? Jesus is amazed negatively in the story about people that don't show faith. Jesus is amazed negatively in the story when people can't do simple things. 
that he's empowered him to do. Jesus is amazed in the story. When people want to just destroy other people. So I want to flip that around and make this all positive. I think we can all be amazed with the way God is at work in our lives if we follow a couple of things, four truths in this text. Number one, focus on the greatness of God. Focus on the greatness of God. Remember I brought that to your attention when I was reading the text? When the boy was healed, the people were amazed because of the greatness of God. When was the last time you were amazed with God's greatness? When? Yeah, some days the older we get, we're just amazed we're able to get up. God is good. You want to be amazed? Focus on the greatness of God. Sunsets are cool, but there had to be a painter of the sunset. The sunset's a pointer to the painter. The sunset's not the end. It's the pointer to the painter who challenges us to be amazed with the greatness of God as painter of a sunrise or sunset. So you want to be amazed? Like a little child with a twinkle in the eye and the gummy smile and the giggle? Because there's nothing better than that, in my humble opinion. Focus on the greatness of God that just created this tiny new little human. Secondly, if you want to be amazed, focus on faithful people from unexpected places. I mean, all the adults in the room start getting into an argument about who's the greatest. (laughs) Whose opinion matters most? Who's in charge? Boy, this sounds like church. And Jesus says, hey, it's an adventure and missing the point again. That's not what it's about. It's about, have you actually welcomed a little child? I, was at, I told you I was at this conference earlier this week, and we were meeting in an elementary space for children, and they had this blackboard, and the title of it said something like, The Ways God Always Loves Me and Takes Care of Me. And I'm thinking these are third, fourth, and fifth graders. And I stood there each day, read all of them. There were 30 or 40 of them on there. Thank you, God, for providing for me because I was able to get a kitty. A cat. Thank you, God, I was nervous when we moved to California and we got here safely. Thank you, God, for taking care of us when we moved from New Zealand. That's a big move. A couple of my favorites. Thank you, God, I was really nervous because I had Montezumas. (laughs) Yeah, it said that. Didn't spell it right, but I knew what the dude was saying. And my all-time favorite of all of these was 
Thank you, God, because I was able to get free In-N-Out burgers yesterday. <laughs> Nothing wrong with a free meal. That kind of fun loving, that kind of twinkle in the eye faith, that kind of don't take yourself so seriously because it's really about becoming a little child. And not just about becoming a little child, literally welcoming the little child from the parts of the neighborhood that we don't like walking through. So I got another question for you. Who are the little people in a three mile radius of this campus? The unexpected people, the unseen people, the marginalized people. Who are those people? Who are they? Not a rhetorical question. Would somebody else like to share? (laughs) Pardon me? People without homes. Immigrants. Children next door at his house. or the children next door in your neighborhood who are watching cartoons or the Chargers game right now. (laughs) Yeah. There's a lot of kids going to school right across the street. All we gotta do is walk across the street. How about right here in this building? Yeah. See, the power of this text is to be amazed. When people from unexpected places are brought into the center of our community and utter a prophetic voice of change because it's given to us from God, God's self. I find that amazing. Do you? All right, here's the third way we can be amazed coming out of the text. You doing okay? Did I lose you? Did I bum you out? Hopefully you're inspired. We got work to do. Here's a great one. Focus on loving your neighbor, not bombing them with fire from heaven. I I mean, I came out of the text. I didn't write it. I wouldn't have written it. I wouldn't have thought it. Thankfully, I didn't write it. But we don't call fire out of heaven, but darn near bomb people. Certainly keep them at bay. 
Right in their neighborhood we do this. So here's, I want you to visualize something. It's a great, a couple great questions. Um, for those who are still working, forget having to work ever again. You don't have to work anymore. Sweet. <laughs> for those, sweet, right? Here's what I want you to do. I want you to, I want you to just envision your neighborhood, wherever you live. I don't know where you live. Envision your neighborhood. Now here's the deal. You're not, you don't have to work anymore. Your life is going to be fully funded. Your life is going to be fully funded from here on out. You don't have to work. Sweet. Those that aren't working anymore, your life is still going to be fully funded. You have total freedom. You have so much time on your hands, you have no idea what you're going to do. So take off your work hat. I'm taking my pastor hat off. I'm fully funded. <laughs> take off your pastor hat. You're fully funded. What are you going to do? What are you going to do in your neighborhood because you're fully funded to connect with your neighbors on behalf of the realm of God? What now will you do? Anybody. What are you going to do? You're going to what? Bake them cookies. I'm going to move into that neighborhood. You're going to bake cookies. You're going to look for points of contact. What else are you going to do? Anybody? Remember, you're fully funded. Yeah. All right, progressive dinner hors d'oeuvres. Another just another way to connect and get to know people, right? Yeah, hand in the back. I see it. All right, so you're going you're gonna to go Magnum PI. Sorry, I dated myself. You're going to go stealth mode, and you're going to find out what people need, and then you're going to try and give that to them in the name of Christ. What else? Great one. These are all awesome. Remember, you're free. What are you going to do? And it's got to be in your neighborhood, though. Yeah, Rebecca. What's that? Yard work. Rebecca's coming to do everybody's yard work in this sanctuary. Oh, that's not what you said. Shoot. I, the older I get, I have a hard time hearing. I'm, I'm putting off hearing aids for three more years. There were hands over here. Yeah. We're just getting to know people. We're just getting to know people. We're learning stories. Right? Betsy. Just to be available to talk. Yeah. Exactly. Slower life, happy life. We're going to just talk. Not bad. Now, I know a lot of people didn't say things. That's okay, because i got to wrap this up soon. But do you see what's happening here? That's church. That's what it means to be a missional church. 
I need you to, to take everything that you think about what it means to be a missional church and put it over here because what we're doing right now is redefining what it means to be a missional church. A missional church means that we're sent into our neighborhood and communities to literally be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ where we live. It's less about programs that we do for people and more about getting to know people and loving them (laughs) without any agenda. I gotta go through the last one, focusing in on an innovative faith. This one's fascinating. Follow me, follow me three times, but do you see what else is in here? Follow me, but don't go back home, don't bury your parents, stop focusing so much on idolizing your family. This is very innovative. This is really innovative. It's hard for us to hear in an American context because we place high value on all of these things. The kingdom of God is not about a family. The kingdom of God is about uniquely called out people to be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ wherever they live. That's church. That's what Jesus is calling us into. One more question, and then one more statement. What if today was your last day to live and you knew it? And it was your last day to innovate in the world for Christ and to make a change or an impact in your neighborhood for Christ. What would you do? Today's it. What would you do? Tomorrow you're gone. You got today. What would you do? Yeah, again in the back. Have, have a party. Bring them all over. Yep. I find this text, series of texts, fascinating and absolutely amazing because it's a a beautiful picture of the way the church ought to be in the world. Are you amazed by this? Are you challenged by this? Let's do it this way. If you're amazed, raise your hand. Okay, put your hands down. If you're inspired by this, raise your hand. Okay, put your hand down. If you're bothered by this, raise your hand. trying to think of another question to follow up from that one. If you're bothered by this, raise your hand and tell me why. (laughs) No, you don't have to. We're out of time anyway. You're safe. So I'm not sure what this is. If this was a facilitated time where we engaged the text, I'm not sure if this was teaching. I'm not even sure if this was a sermon or a homily. But here's my last sentence. I find this absolutely amazing. When people of faith in Jesus Christ go into their neighborhood, I find it amazing. You know why it's so amazing? Because honest to goodness, we want to call fire down on people. We want to marginalize folks that aren't like us. We want to call ourselves a family to hide behind bricks and mortar so that we don't actually go out and go. So when I come across people that actually want to go, I 
I'm absolutely amazed. Are you? Will you raise your hand if you're interested in going? Yeah, thank you very much, because that's what it means to be the church. Anything else, we don't mean the same thing when we talk about church. So for those of you that raised your hands, thank you very much. Here's your homework assignment. I want you to find one of the things that you answered, a question that you answered in your mind today, and go do it this week. All right? That's it, plain and simple. This is a powerful expression in understanding of what it means to amaze Jesus the Christ. Again, this isn't about pastor. This is about what Jesus Christ gathers people together to actually be and do. That's inspiring, and I'm amazed. Let's pray. We want to amaze you, God, but for all the right reasons. We don't want to rebuke. We don't want your exasperation. We don't want people only halfway following you because they're wrapped around all kinds of other good things, but conflicted as well. Forgive us because we're all on journey. Tenderly, lovingly, and pastorally. Transform all of us as church to go and be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ in our neighborhood. And when we come back next Sunday, we worship more vibrantly, more faithfully, louder, and more fuller because we've been amazed at your greatness. Thanks be to you, God. In your strong name we pray. Amen. Majestic. What, what a great way to lead us out. And I'm going to ask everybody,